I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's going on, y'all? Welcome into another episode of The Hangout in the Holy Land, the official flagship podcast for LandGrantHolyLand.com. My name is Colton Denning, and I am coming to you on the day after Ohio State's 38-7 win over Wisconsin in the rain, in the shoe. I wanted to wait an extra day to get this out, to watch this game again, and to really reprocess everything that we saw in Ohio State dismantling yet another team, yet another top defense, another hurdle on the schedule, a game that we thought could be pretty close, and it was for a while, but then Ohio State, like they have tended to do in 2019, just absolutely put it on Wisconsin, hit the gas, wins by 31, and goes into the bye week 8-0, looking like probably the best team in the country right now. So a lot of really fun stuff that we can talk about in recapping this game and uh, just talking about where Ohio State is at heading into their second bye week of the year and after eight games in a nice little buffer stretch here with the bye week and then Maryland and Rutgers on the schedule before we, we get into the grand finale of Penn State and then Michigan on the road. But we, like I said, this this is going to be a fun episode. There's a lot to talk about. I wanted to wait an extra day to, to watch this game over and to really t- t- kind of digest what we saw in this game and what we saw from Ohio State. And of course, we're, we're going to get to your questions later on in the show that you sent to at Holy Land Pod. Make sure to interact with the show there. And before we talk about the game, be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts and follow along on Spotify. So after this game, when I sent out the, the tweet on at Holy Land Pod of needing your guys' reactions and, and takes from, from what we saw from this game, I said we, we needed to do that and we'd answer a lot of questions today, or it would just be 45 minutes of Chase Young worship. And that is honestly the best and only place to start when it comes to recapping this game. Holy hell, Chase Young Monster isn't the right word. Beast isn't the right word. Uh, He went like God mode. That was one of the most dominating performances, not just of like a defensive end or a defensive player, defensive lineman, whatever, from any player I've ever seen in a college football game. Certainly, I would say in the top five of most dominant performances I've seen from an Ohio State player in in the time that I've been watching Ohio State football um, just just from the jump, dominance. That's the only word to describe it. You look at the numbers. Four sacks, two forced fumbles, both of those coming in the second half when Ohio State had gotten the lead and they were ready to put this game away. So he showed up when it mattered most. These weren't just sacks or plays that Ohio State was, was up 34. These were key moments in the game this was one of them was a third and 15 the other was the uh the late fumble that Pete Warner recovered to really kind of put his stamp on the game and put it away but five tackles for loss total he had the sacks and he had the one tackle for loss that was like he was lined up in uh in the middle of the defense standing up which just has to be terrifying for any offensive coordinators to see that Ohio State is not only putting him at the edge and letting him get to the passer but also 
he is. Uh, they're going to do different things with him. They're going to stand him up here and was or not Wisconsin, but Penn State and Michigan. I'm sure that their staffs are both already looking at like, oh, they are doing different things with Chase Young. What are we going to do? So it, it's not just the. Uh, the splash plays with Chase Young, and that's what everybody's talking about. I put a YouTube video of his four sacks up if you want to go and watch youtube.com slash Colton Denning. Sorry for the self-promotion, but that's up there if you want to watch that. But it's just if you go back and watch like on a play-by-play basis to see what Chase Young was doing, the sacks are, are wonderful. The other tackle for loss was great. The, the numbers are awesome. He's about to break the single season record for for sacks for Ohio State. He's only a half sack away from breaking Vernon Golston's record. So that all that stuff is great. It's awesome. He's going to be either the first or second pick in the draft. If you look at his get-off, you see what he's able to do to just wreck opposing offenses in their passing games. That, that's all awesome. It's great. It's what makes him the best player in college football right now. But what I'm most impressed with when I watch Chase Young is just the down-by-down dominance. If you go back and watch some first and second downs when Wisconsin was trying trying to run the ball, I was going to say running the ball, but they, they didn't really do that. They tried to, but they couldn't. And a lot of that was due to Chase Young and the rest of the defensive line controlling the line of scrimmage. So even the plays that he's not making, even the plays that aren't sacks or aren't two-yard tackles for losses, he's just clogging up that offensive line, he's able to push back his tackle and really wreck the play. And it's not only reflective on his stats, but from what other players are doing, Devon Hamilton, Big Bob Landers, uh, Zach Harrison. If you go back and watch, Zach Harrison starting to play into form. And these guys are able to really excel without having a lot of attention focused on them because offenses are so focused on what Chase Young is doing. So it's not just the sacks. It's not just the tackles for loss. It's not the splash plays. It's not the forced fumbles. It's just the down-by-down dominance and what he's able to do to an offense from a scheme standpoint of them just needing to give so much attention to him, but also freeing things up for other players too. That is the added bonus or the hidden bonus of having Chase Young is that you have all these other guys who are super talented and in other situations would demand more attention from defenses who are getting to work in a lot of one-on-one situations. And you're seeing a young guy like Zach Harrison uh, start to take that next step because he he isn't forced into a bigger role than he should be. They don't need him to get 10 sacks. They don't need him to get eight sacks. They just need him to get get after it. And that's what he's been able to do. So Chase Young's dominance not only is reflected upon himself and what he's doing and the, the records that he's going to set and the havoc he's causing against offenses, but how it affects the whole team in general and how it makes other guys better. So Chase Young at this point, is one of the best Ohio State players we've ever seen, I think, full stop. And secondly, he's the best player in the country. And I really appreciated Joel Klatt starting to rev up that Heisman engine because at this point, it's absolutely worthy. He He's worth that, and I think he's very deserving. And whether he wins it or not, honestly, like I, I don't care. And that, that can be said for Justin Fields and J.K. Dobbins too. I, I hope they're in the mix. I hope they make it to New York, and I hope they win. But... I think that there are, that it's not really something that that I care about or are worried about, but it would be really cool to see Chase Young there because at the very least, he's college football's most dominant player. And it's not the sexy position. He's not a quarterback, running back, or wide receiver. But this level of dominance, especially in a game like this, I think goes to show just how great he is. And really, he's going to get two more chances with Penn State and Michigan. And if he has big games in those two, then I think at the very least, he will be in New York. And just how cool would that be to see Chase Young win the Heisman? Like what what a story that would be. But I felt like that was the only way for us to start this show. We had to talk about Chase Young, give him his flowers because he was the most dominant player on the field. He was really the story of this game. And and not the only reason Ohio State won, of course, but a big reason and really the the standout performer from this game. So had to start off talking about Chase Young because, like I said, we we could have just done 45 minutes talking about him after what he did yesterday. Uh, To really 
dive in to this game and talk about it from a non-Chase Young perspective, if that's even possible, and to tie that into what we've seen from Ohio State and why this team is so special and why right now they're the best team in the country. I think it's important to talk about the the start to this game and it was so rainy it was so gross a lot almost all these games in the in the midwest it, it felt like it's november in the big 10 like you could already feel november big 10 football coming around with all these games and how nasty like the michigan game was the michigan state game just looked ugly and this one it was just rainy and it really played into the slow start that the offense got off to and it was nothing nothing for for most of the half and I think that Wisconsin deserves a lot of credit for that because even though Ohio State was able to to hit the gas, I thought Wisconsin had a great game plan and their defense played like they were a top two defense and they really got after Justin Fields. I want to say they had, what, four sacks in this game? Five sacks? I think four of those were on field. So they were able to really put some pressure on the Ohio State offensive line and make it tough for them, especially on third downs and the line looked a little shaky like that was one thing I talked about ad nauseum coming into this game was hey this is another top defensive line Wisconsin really likes to get after the quarterback how's the line gonna do and in the first half I don't even want to say they played bad because I just think that that's how good Wisconsin is like they they deserve credit for being able to to get after fields and to confuse Ohio State and make them really have to work for for yardage and touchdowns. So 0-0 for most of the first half. And then what makes this team different from the last three or four Ohio State teams is its adaptability. Because one, the offense just wasn't getting it done. And in previous years, you would just think, oh, hell, what's going to happen? The defense defense can only hold for so long. We know that they're going to give up points. Not this one. The defense held it down. They did what they've done all season. When there's those rare moments that the offense is struggling, defense steps up, they're able to make a couple plays and really just hold down the fort while the offense figures it out. And honestly, that goes the same way because in, in this game, you know, it finally got to, it was 10 nothing, and then Wisconsin scored on that short touchdown drive and then the, the third down throw. But at that point, you thought, okay, it's 10-7 in the third. Offense hasn't really been doing much except for the, the last part of the second quarter. Then they go on an eight-play, 75-yard touchdown drive to make it 17-7 and take control of the game. So the adaptability of this team, not only offensively but, but defensively, to overcome adversity, to take a punch in the mouth and respond against a very good team, that's what makes them different from previous Ohio State teams and what makes them so great. Because for most of the first half, the offensive line, they looked like it was 2016, 2017, or 2018. They they couldn't get a lot done. And then they just, they whatever adjustments they made, I don't know. Whether it was a speech, I, I don't even know. But whatever they did, it, it worked. Because for the rest of the game, they bounced back in a uh, in a major way. They averaged almost six yards per play against one of the top two defenses in the country. And the other the other defensive part of that top two was on the other side of the field. So that it was just, I was very impressed with what the line did because there could have been a point, and I'm sure some of us were thinking that, like uh, maybe this line is just fool's gold. They, they look like they've been playing like the best line in the country there for a while, but now they're playing a top-level defense. It's all going to just go to hell. And no, they rebounded. They made some plays. Justin Fields also deserves some credit for uh, slipping out of a few tackles. He's just, he's built like a tree trunk, man. And uh, they just in concert played really well. Were able to bounce back in the second half and give him a, a little more time to throw the ball. And then, of course, open things up for the running game, which we'll talk about here in a second. But the adaptability of this team and the ability for them to hit that next level or to hit that next gear is what makes them different. Uh, that when I, Like I said, when the game was 10-7, it felt like, okay, they're still in control. I never felt like there was a time, even after Wisconsin scored, that they were going to take the lead or win the game. It never felt to me like Ohio State lost control of the game, but it was a three-point game in the third quarter. But as this team does, they just hit the next gear. And I don't think that's something of them taking Wisconsin lightly 
or being lazy or anything like that. I just think it's them being like, okay, it's time to go. Let's let's do this thing. And they were able to do that um, at multiple times through the game because the score before halftime was huge. It, it looked like that gave them a lot of confidence. There was the third and 13 touchdown to Chris Olave. And I, I think if you go and, and read The Athletic in Ari Wasserman's article, he talks about being in an elevator with Urban Meyer at halftime and he was there with a, a group of, of fans too, and he was talking to him and, and saying what's up. And at the end of it, he just said that that score at the end of the half was huge. Just watch what they do in the second half. And sure enough, that's when they were able to uh, to turn on the Jets. So that second gear is something that we haven't seen from an Ohio State team in a while. I, I can't really think about when the last time it was, probably 2014, but to this degree, I don't know if we've ever seen it from an Ohio State team where like this win doesn't illustrate how I think solid Wisconsin is. And you know, the, the Illinois loss was what it was, and I think people's perception of Wisconsin is certainly different after the Illinois game and then seeing them lose by 31, but Ohio State just doesn't beat Wisconsin by 31 points. Teams don't just do that to them unless it's the the Big Ten title game and now yesterday. But I I don't want people to not be impressed with this, like just because Wisconsin lost to Illinois or we've kind of just gotten used to this with this Ohio State team so far this season. This was so impressive that they were able to turn it on like that and score 28 points in the second half. They probably could have scored again if they left the starters in. Um, They they could have scored 50, I think, if they really wanted to, but they grinded out the clock and were able to just put this game away, get out really without any significant injuries. We'll talk about Justin Fields here in a little bit. But that that gear for this team is what makes them special, and uh, that's one where the score wasn't even as bad as, as how it was. Ohio State kicked their ass in the second half. And uh, that that's something that you don't see a lot from Wisconsin. And they did that. They did it, and it was pretty awesome. Another thing that was awesome, and uh, we talked about Chase Young, I think deservedly so, to start the game. But the other story from this one, just from an individual perspective, was on offense with J.K. Dobbins, who just continues to have one of the best running seasons we've ever seen at Ohio State, which like we don't have to dive into the history of running backs here. That's saying a lot. Through eight games, he's at 1,110 yards. He's on pace for, I think, over 1,600 just through 12 games. Like That's not even counting Big Ten Championship, bowl game, playoffs, whatever. There's a legitimate shot he could get to 2,000 yards rushing this season, but he's at least the most complete back in the country. He's probably the best running back in the country. I do have to get on a little bit of a rant here because this was something I saw on Twitter and we got a lot of people sending this directly to us to talk about after the game was uh, was him being a better running back than Jonathan Taylor and Jonathan Taylor isn't that good. Guys, it's totally fine to big up J.K. Dobbins. I think he's the best running back in the country, but like Despite what happened yesterday, Jonathan Taylor's still a pretty damn good running back. Like, we can big up J.K. Dobbins without trashing the other guy. Like, I think it's it's more so uh, it wasn't that Jonathan Taylor was trash yesterday. Ohio State's defensive front was pretty damn good. They had a really great scheme uh, designed to stop him, and Wisconsin wasn't going to be able to beat them throwing the ball 30 times a game. So there was a lot on Jonathan Taylor's plate, but it's like, it's okay to recognize that the other guy is good too. I, th- I think J.K. Dobbins is wonderful and the best running back in the country as well. But like, we, we don't have to trash the other guy. It's okay. Um, so that's, that's my rant on that. But back to just talking about Dobbins, 20 carries, 163 yards, two touchdowns, and then just for good measure, he adds in three catches for 58 yards. Like I said, he's at the very least the most complete back in the country. He, they're also trusting him in pass protection and uh, in the screen game and the, the throw game, whatever it may be. J.K. Dobbins knows how to do it. And uh, it, it's just, it's so much fun watching him run the ball because all of that speed that seemed to be lost last year, that's back. I think it was the last drive 
of the second quarter right before the Olave touchdown where he had the run up the middle where he met a safety about 10 yards down the field and he just shook him like it was nothing and that was 2017 J.K. Dobbins right there and uh, it's back and it's even better um, because it's not only that the speed, the juking ability, the elusiveness, but then the power too in the second half. He had that run where he met Chris Orr, Wisconsin's super talented linebacker, one of the best linebackers in the country. He met him in the hole and stiff-armed him right in the face and just put him right down into the ground. That was amazing. So J.K. Dobbins, who by the way, looked very spectacular without the gloves. I'm a big fan of the no-gloves look in the rain and he he rocked it well and when you're stiff arming dudes in the face and juking them and catching passes and and running for 163 yards and two touchdowns and generally just draining the life out of arguably the best defense in the country coming into the game then uh you're you're pretty special so jk dobbins is another guy along right there with chase young that we're, we're not just talking about him as like, oh, he's he's one of the best players in the country. He, he's really good. Like, he he's Heisman-level good. He is Heisman-level uh, getting a running back back to winning the Heisman Trophy. And it'll be interesting to see what happens and whether those guys kind of take votes off of each other, Justin Fields, in that conversation as well. But J.K. Dobbins right now is the best running back in the country. And he has just totally reinvented himself because I, I keep saying it's it's 2017 J.K. Dobbins, but even then, he wasn't this good. This is just the next level, and uh, it's just so big that he's been able to improve so much because when when the pass game isn't working, when uh, defenders are getting after Justin Fields, they've been able to trust that J.K. Dobbins is going to keep the chains moving and get them efficient yardage, and he's been able to do it. He's not dancing around anymore. He's hitting the hole. He's juking linebackers. He's punching dudes in the face, just stiff arming them right in their grill and throwing them into the dirt. So J.K. Dobbins is just very impressive with what he's been able to do this season and how much his running style has been able to be leaned upon by this staff and how much they've been able to trust him because that was just such a key talking point about this team coming into the years. How much were they going to be able to trust J.K. Dobbins? And he is just, he's delivered completely and, and he he deserves to be talked about as the best back in the country and one of those guys that uh, that's a Heisman contender. Branching off talking about Dobbins and sticking with the run game as a whole, that's really why this team is so dominant and has taken the next step and why the offense has been at the at that peak that we've been waiting for the last three years and what's been missing from this offense has been efficient running and they're running efficiently they're running explosively and that's what's taken the offense to this next height Uh, like only you guys realize only navy and air force have more yards rushing than ohio state right now two teams that run the triple option and almost exclusively run the ball they are the only teams with more running yards than ohio state ohio state has 124 yards less rushing this season than they did all of last season through eight games versus 14. That is how good this run game has been. And that's not only a credit to uh, Ryan Day, the way he's designed the offense, and J.K. Dobbins and his improvement, but the offensive line. You have to you have to talk about that offensive line and what they've been able to do in the run game. I still think that there are a couple holes with pass protection, and a lot of that is just due to them being so young um, at tackle and even on the inside and them just gelling together. But when it comes to running the ball, they have been wonderful. I mean, they, they punched Wisconsin. They took a punch from Wisconsin early in the game and they were able to punch back and just run the ball really whenever they needed to. And I also think that Ryan Day deserves a lot of credit because even early on, it it felt like they were just trying to throw the ball just because like, Hey, we, we don't want to get away from it. We want to be able to throw the ball against these guys. And we don't want them to think that, they can just load the box up with eight every single down just because of the weather conditions. But even then, they still were running the ball well. Dobbins was able to break through for five, six-yard gains early on. And then as the game went on and they were able to pass a little bit better, then they really just leaned on that running game. And Wisconsin didn't have an answer for it. And a lot of that is due to the offensive line. So uh, they, they continue to just be super awesome when it comes to 
running the ball. Greg Strudrawa, who was a, a main talking point on this show for a long time the past couple of seasons, uh, deserves all the credit in the world. They, they've been wonderful on the offensive line, and their ability to run the ball and be consistent with it is a big reason why this team is the most complete group in the country. And I think I, I referenced it when I started talking about this, but that they can lean on the run game when things aren't going great throwing the ball is a luxury that they haven't had for the past couple of seasons. So that's if they really need to carry the team, they can. And that, that was the big question this year is like, well, what if Justin Fields isn't a superstar right away? What if he has some growing pains? Can this new offensive line and J.K. Dobbins, who need to improve, can, can they do it? Can they carry the load? Uh, and they're, they're honestly the, I don't want to say they're the best part of the team because that would be taking away from Chase Young and what the defensive line have done. But I'll go out there. The run game has been the best part about this team, and, and that's saying something. And they, they've just been so good. And like I said, only Air Force and Navy have more yards running than Ohio State right now. And I think if you ask a lot of people, myself included, before the season, if Ohio State would be top three and running the ball through eight games, I would have said no. I thought they were going to be good and better than they had been, but uh, they're, they're running the ball like it's 2013. Like This could be an even better running attack than what Urban Meyer had, so that that is just how impressive they've been, and I know I said it, I think, after the Northwestern game. like So much for uh, Ryan Day and this label that, oh, he just wants to throw the ball. Is Ohio State still going to be able to recruit uh, ground-and-pound offensive linemen and, and running backs that, are, that aren't just scat backs and are going to catch a bunch of passes? No. Ryan Day uh, has shown, I think, through eight games, he can design a pretty damn good rushing offense, and uh, they can lean on them no matter what. And that's that's really encouraging when it comes to still playing Penn State, still playing Michigan, whoever you're going to play in the Big Ten Championship if you get there, and then possibly the playoff because there's a lot of good defenses in that playoff field. And uh, if they're able to get after Justin Fields, it's really nice to know that this Ohio State team can run the ball better than almost anyone in the country. So they don't have to lean on throwing the ball 35, 40 times a game and putting their quarterback in positions that he's necessarily not comfortable with yet. So that's how I feel about the running game. And just like, God damn, isn't it nice to just be positive? Like <laughs> this show has been so much fun this year and there are so much good things to say about Ohio State. And I'm having a lot of fun right now, guys, just, just talking about all of these wonderful things for Ohio State and just being really positive about this team. And I hope it's coming off in the show because I'm having a lot of fun talking about this team and just watching them grow through eight games of the season. Uh, really nice to be on another bye week. I'm a big fan of the two bye weeks, but we have a lot of fun shows coming up talking about these two games that Ohio State should roll in in the next three weeks with Maryland and then Rutgers. And then we're, we're really getting into the meat of the schedule and the crunch time for this schedule. So uh, I can't wait to watch this team play. And, and that's really that's really the difference with this year and the previous three seasons is that I cannot wait to watch this team play. I'm so excited to watch this team play every single week. And it's fun to go back and watch these games and not only talk about the Chase Youngs and the Justin Fields and the J.K. Dobbins, but the guys like Devon Hamilton, like Justin Hilliard, who had a very nice game defensively. Um, it's just it's fun to watch this team on every single level. Blake Hobbiel knocking down another another tough kick. What a what a kick by him, and what a way to give the team confidence early on. That uh, it, even it, though it was raining, and even though the conditions weren't ideal, and that looked like a tough kick, he just drilled that thing. So. Back-to-back games, Northwestern and Wisconsin, Blake Hobbiel had a really tough kick and just put it right on the money. Like, it wasn't even a question whether it was going to be good or not. So that's another area where, hey, if Ohio State needs a kick, we've seen Blake Hobbiel already hit a couple big ones this season. So, uh, yeah, just, just fun talking about this team and being positive about it. I love it. I promise we're going to talk about the defense a little bit more, but I got a couple other thoughts about the offense real quick, and then we're going to break here in a little bit and then get to your questions. Um, it seems to me, and this was something that I talked about, and I got five on it before the game, and I may have referenced after Northwestern, and I did talk about with our friends over at Bucky's Fifth Quarter when I did the preview podcast for uh, them on their site, 
was that if there was any doubt beforehand, I think it's been shredded of who the go-to guy is in the passing game here for Ohio State because it's pretty certain that it's Chris Olave. And even though this this offense is never going to be built for a wide receiver to have nine catches or, or 10, 11, 12 catches for 160 yards and, and three touchdowns like you may see with a guy like Ruggs at Alabama or a few of the other guys that they have, uh, it's clear that when Justin Fields needs a play, he's going to Chris Olave. Seven catches, 93 yards, two touchdowns, probably the most yardage he's ever had in his career. I think even without looking at the stats that he set a career high there. Don't know if it was a career high in catches, but he was the man in this game. And there were two things that stood out to me that really cemented this idea that he's the go-to guy for this offense. When they when they need a play through the air, you're going to go to him. Was on that third quarter uh, response where Wisconsin made it 10-7 game in Ohio State needed a drive. He had the long crossing route, which was earlier in the drive, either a first or a second down, where he just burned the middle of Wisconsin's defense for about 20 yards. And then three plays later, third and six, he runs a really crisp slant and uh, able to pick that up for field. So it, and he does it in a myriad of ways. There was the touchdown right down the middle on the third and 13, where he just smoked his defender. There was the second touchdown, which the game was already wrapped up, but really put the nail in the coffin there. And that was just a, a very classic Chris Olave route to the outside. And he was wide open, created a ton of separation, but he's able to do it like that. He's able to do it with slants. We saw a lot of comebacks against Northwestern. He's just a complete receiver. And to have that for a young quarterback like Justin Fields, to know that he can trust a player like Chris Olave is huge. Because as, as much as I love Benjamin Victor, I, I don't think Victor's ever the guy that like you really want to trust with 10 or 11 targets or, hey, we're going to come to you on third down on a slant. And, and that's another thing this offense has been missing is a guy that can just be dependable and you can get the ball out to on a third and six. They really haven't had that in the receiving game since Michael Thomas. We saw him be that for JT Barrett in 2014 and then Cardale Jones in the playoff. Whenever they needed a, a tough play, Michael Thomas could go across the middle. He could beat a defender one-on-one. He could make a contested catch. That's really what Chris Olave is. So don't let the stats fool you with him. I know it was a huge game this week, but even when he's putting up four catches for 40 yards, look at where he's making those catches in the situations he's making them in. Because usually it's, it's a third down or it's when Ohio State really needs a play. So Chris Olave, he is a genuine superstar. He's probably not going to make first team all Big Ten, probably won't even make second team All Big Ten. I hope he does. He deserves it. But we know just watching him, he is the dude for this wide receiver core. And uh, everything we saw from him at the end of the 2018 season, he's been able to not only repeat, but improve on. And he just torched Wisconsin's defense yesterday. All in all, pretty damn good day for the offense. Put up 38 points, averaged six yards per play against a top two defense. Probably would have been more if the uh, backups didn't have to come in. How great is that is that we saw Ohio State's backups in a conference game against Wisconsin. That's that's how you know you're having a really great day when you see uh, you see Chris Chuganov coming in against Wisconsin, getting, getting a couple reps. But another awesome day for the offense. And uh, it's, time, it's time to talk about the defense because as awesome as the offense was, the defense was there too because like I said earlier, they held it down when Ohio State really needed it, when the offense was trying to figure things out, get adjusted to the game, get adjusted to the weather, and figure out how they were going to play. The defense held them down and were able to shut Wisconsin down and make plays. We, we talked about Chase Young. He was, he was the star of the game. He opened things up for everybody else on the defense. But it was more than just him. Players, coaches, the uh, the little four linebacker set, the 4-4 that they trotted out at the start of the game was was a really nice wrinkle. I, I don't know when they're going to use that again because that's not really Penn State's style of offense or Michigan's, even though we like to make fun of it. Um, but that, that was a cool wrinkle. And again, goes back to the adaptability of the coaching staff. That was something we hadn't seen from them. And they just threw it out against Wisconsin. And surprise, it worked. It was great. I thought the linebackers overall played pretty well. Like I just added for a second about Justin Hilliard. Nice seeing him on the field. He had the great tackle for loss. He really deserves more chances. I mean, he really he really does. And he's been hurt for basically all of his career. But to see him flying around to the ball, making plays like that, 
Uh, just just well-deserved and very happy for Justin Hilliard that he was able to get some run, and, and not just with the backups, that he was on the field basically at the start of the game making plays. That just goes to show his talent when he's healthy, and, and I really hope that he gets more chances at that middle linebacker spot going forward. But that was a cool wrinkle from them. Uh, great to see Baron Browning back, man. Great to see five back there in the middle of that defense. There was still a little bit too much of the other thing, but... You know, that's that's all right. It just is what it is at this point. But uh, good to see Baron Browning back and the middle of the defense. Didn't really have too many breakdowns. There was a couple of long Wisconsin runs, but, you know, that that's just what they do. But overall, the linebackers played really well. Same can be said for the defensive line. I referenced Devon Hamilton, Big Bob Landers, and Zach Harrison earlier. Those were three guys that stood out to me on the line. I'm sure if I go back and watch the full broadcast again and just watch the line, there'll be even more. I saw Tommy Togiai was in. He had three tackles. Uh, Jay Sean Cornell, I think, continues to have a really, really nice season just quietly. He's not a guy that's going to put up a lot of big numbers. But uh, if you just watch him on a play-by-play basis, it's it's he's he's not dominant. I don't want to say that, but he's very control. He controls his linemen for the the better part of those matchups. He wins those. And I just want to say it now because it's a good time to throw it out there during the bye week, and hopefully people will forget about it if I'm wrong. Zach Harrison is turning the corner. He had two tackles, uh, one one solo tackle, but go go back and watch Zach Harrison. In this game, I think it was the Devon Hamilton sack. He pushed the right tackle all the way back into Jack Cohn and really just collapsed the offensive line and, and made it or collapsed the pocket and made it so Devon Hamilton could get that sack. But you can see the gears turning in his head and, and he's starting to fly off the ball. He's starting to really get it and he's going to get a lot of playing time in these next two games. And I, I think that Zach Harrison. I'll say it now, and one of you please hold me accountable for this somehow. Uh, Zach Harrison's going to make a play in either the Penn State or the Michigan game when Ohio State really needs it, and no one's thinking about him. They're doubling Chase Young, and and it's going to be a situation where Penn State or Michigan says, hey, number two isn't beating us. If anybody else beats us, whatever, but we're not letting number two beat us. And 33 is going to come off the edge and make a game-changing play. I'm gonna, I'm calling my shot now because I love what I'm seeing from Zach Harrison. That that five-star talent that we saw in his recruitment and in his high school tape, uh, it's starting to play to form. And Larry Johnson, after however much time, eight months, nine months of being able to work with him, you can see that he's just starting to play football. And uh, to have that on the opposite side of Chase Young, and you know, also having. The other pass rushers that Ohio State has is uh, is another one of those nice luxuries that only teams like Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson have. But I, I think that he's starting to turn the corner, and you're going to really see in this last month, in these last four games that they have on the schedule, uh, he's going to start to make more splash plays because you can already see it starting to happen right now. So calling my shot right now with Zach Harrison. One of you, please keep me accountable for that. I also have to be accountable here by taking a break. We're almost 40 minutes into talking about this game, and uh, we need to to hear from our sponsors and pay some bills. But after we do that, we are going to hear from you. All of your reactions, all of your thoughts, questions, comments, takes about what Ohio State did yesterday, I'm going to get to those. So stay tuned right here on the Hangout in the Holy Land. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back to the Hangout in the Holy Land. We're talking Ohio State's 38-7 win over Wisconsin yesterday, and now it's time for my favorite part of the show, and that is hearing from you guys. Remember to send any questions you have over to at Holy Land Pod. Talk about them on the show. So reach out there at Holy Land Pod. I am also at Dubsco. So let's get to what you have to say. We're going to kick it off with two longtime listeners of the show who have two comments that I think play well into each other. And we'll, we'll start with Josh, who says, 
the best coaching staff we've had in a while in terms of quarter-to-quarter offensive and defensive adjustments. And then Greg, who says defensive line and offensive line both got better as the day went along. And I think both of those things go in concert because the adjustments and just the way that the guys along each side of the line played, I think, were the reason why Ohio State dominated this game. They controlled the line of scrimmage. And when you do that against anyone, you're probably going to win. But when you do that against a team like Wisconsin, who really is just built for power football on both sides of the ball, that's when you that's when you really have your most success. And that's what we saw from them yesterday. So this coaching staff has been able to adjust to not only Wisconsin yesterday, but really any opponent they've been playing because Northwestern was another team. Strong defense. They adjusted to that. Michigan State, strong defense, adjusted to that. Even a game like the Miami of Ohio game, which is like kind of seems stupid to say, like, oh, they adjusted to Miami of Ohio, but they were down five nothing and it felt like eh, it's just something something not right. They they needed they need a kick in the pants or they need to they need to figure something out here. And they were able to do that and drop seventy plus. So that's something minor. It may not seem like a big deal, but I think ultimately when we look back at the end of the season, it's like, okay, wow, even even for a game like Miami of Ohio for a slow start that they had, they were able to adjust and it wasn't like we've seen uh, previously where it's like, okay, Ohio State is just winning off of talent alone. No, they're able to adjust what to what teams are doing to them and have success by running different stuff. And then when they're able to have that success and teams adjust to what they're doing, then go back to their bread and butter on both sides of the ball. So offense has done a lot of great adjusting, but I think the defense too deserves a lot of credit for being able to shift the way they play and what they do against these teams. Brendan says, I figured Ohio State would keep Wisconsin in check, but I was expecting a one-score game like it has been usually. Rain is the great equalizer. It's amazing how OSU fell flat coming out of halftime, gave up a TD, then went full throttle and ran UW over. That goes back to adjustments too and and just the, the ability to respond to what teams are doing to you and... That just defines what this team is right now is that, yeah, they, they are so talented, but now they kind of have the brain trust behind that to be able to, uh, to whether either motivate or just do different scheme stuff, they are able to punch teams back in the mouth when they take a shot. John Van Camp has a question for us, and it's, do you think Chase Young is better than the Boses? Also, which of the three Ohio State players should win the Heisman? I think you have to knock Nick Bosa out of the conversation right away. As great as he was, he didn't do it for long enough, and we, we just didn't get to see it. If he played all of last year, I think he would legitimately be in this conversation. But I think just due to playing experience, he, he's not at the level of his brother or Chase Young. And when it comes to those two, it, it's really what you want because I think – Chase Young is obviously a more dominant pass rusher, which, I mean, not that not that Joey Bosa was a slouch or anything, but in terms of just athleticism, get-off, ability to wreck a passing game, Chase Young has the advantage, and Joey probably has the advantage when it comes to just being a more complete defender. I think he was really understatedly great against the run. Teams just could not run to his side of the field. You see that in the NFL too. He's a great run defender. His technique is so good. Like I said, it wasn't like he was a slouch rushing the passer either. He could really wreck an opposing offense. We saw at the end of the Penn State game in 2014 what he was able to do and just putting that game to bed with his pass rush. So I'd say that Joey Bosa was more complete, but I don't think he was ever this dominant on a play-to-play basis. That That's just something we haven't seen from an Ohio State defender or an Ohio State defensive lineman, maybe maybe ever, at least in the modern era. No one's been as dominant as Chase Young, and I think that that dominance, to me, probably gives him a little bit of an edge over Joey Bosa. We'll have to see it at the end of this season. I think, like I said, when it comes to his Heisman case, if he has two big games against Penn State and Michigan, then that's going to kind of cement that. And those are going to be the games that really cement his legacy and then whatever Ohio State does after that. So I think I'll take Chase Young, but just by the narrowest of margin, I mean, you can't really go wrong with any three of those guys. And when it comes to which three Ohio State players should win the Heisman, I think that Fields is going to be nicked off of that uh, just due to not only Ohio State having two other dudes, but 
you have Joe Burrow, you have Jalen Hurts, even even with the loss, he's still going to put up big numbers at the end of the season. To attack of Iloa, there, there's a lot of really strong quarterback play from high-level teams this season, so I think that that's probably going to hurt Fields' case. So I would say it'd be between Dobbins and Chase Young. And like, how, how can you pick between that? That's like picking the favorite of your children. What, what are you going to say? But going back, Chase Young's dominance on a per-play basis is what probably would give him the margin over everyone else. And he's clearly the most dominant player in college football. But I'm going to take J.K. Dobbins just because I love him so much. He's my favorite Ohio State player. I thought he was going to have a big year, and I'm just super happy to see him bouncing back because you could tell that the way he played in 2018 really bothered him. And the way that people talked about it and just the way he viewed himself last season, it just it didn't sit right with him. And to see him succeeding to the level he is this year, you just love to see that for any player. And uh, him being in New York w- would be really special. So I'm giving it to J.K. Dobbins out of just pure sentimentality of, uh, of my heart. <laughs> James Bryant says, Ohio State won't get his credit for this win because they made Wisconsin look like it's not a top 25 team. That's how good we are. I, I disagree, James. I, I think any of you that still have that mentality that people look at Ohio State like that they're not dominant or they're not one of the top programs in the country, go read about them nationally today. Go Whether it's ESPN, whether it's The Athletic, here at SB Nation, almost everywhere you look, like unless you, are you guys just reading Alabama blogs or LSU blogs? Like if that's the case, then yeah, obviously. But People are universally praising this team that they're the most dominant team in the country right now. Like they're they're going to get their credit, and I can see what you're saying with Wisconsin, especially after the loss against Illinois, that it probably nicks it a little bit. But just my thing would be, hey, go out, go out and read what people in the national media are saying about Ohio State because it's universally positive right now, and they are praising what they've been able to do on each side of the ball. I, I don't see anybody with a brain talking about, oh, Wisconsin isn't a, a good team or Ohio State hasn't played anybody. Like they, They've beaten the hell out of everybody they've played, and I think that Ohio State is getting their fair and just due credit so far this season. And honestly, it doesn't matter. If they continue to win, then they'll be in the playoff, and they win there, they'll win the national championship. And it doesn't matter what anybody writes about them or says about them, including myself. Uh, finally, I'm going to end it with Carl, who asks, most complete Ohio State dot dot ever? Yeah, Carl, uh, through eight games, it, it has to be. I can't think of an Ohio State team that had the best run game in the country and was also a top five passing team that had athletes out wide, a, a dominant offensive line, and an offensive mind like Ryan Day kind of orchestrating everything. That There really isn't a spot on offense where I feel like, oh, well, they they can't do this. I, I still think the pass protection, like I've said, is a little bit, if that's the one weak spot, that that is it. But they don't need to throw the ball 40 times a game. They don't need to really have that be exposed because they can run the ball. And what makes it so special is that even if the offense plays another top-level team and isn't able to score 40 points or you know 30, 38 points like we saw yesterday, uh, they have a defense that's able to shut teams down and able to just totally dominate. And they, they haven't played a, a top five level offense yet, but what they've done to the offenses they've have played ha- has just been special. And we'll we'll see how it looks against Penn State. We'll see how it looks against Michigan, but they're able to rush the passer. They have mostly pretty good linebacker play. And then uh, the secondary play, which we really didn't get to see a ton of yesterday just due to the way that Wisconsin plays and the weather. The secondary is still pretty damn good. And they have, we, we talked about J.K. Dobbins being the best running back in the country. Chase Young being not only the best defensive end, but maybe the best player in the country. Uh, Jeff Okuda still, if not the best cor- cornerback in the country, he's up there in the top three. So they, they just have, there, there's really not a part of this team where I feel like is a super worry. And even the parts that are a little bit of a concern, they can offset that by, hey, we have a great defense or we're able to run the ball and not lean on one area so hard like they have been the past four seasons. So that that's what makes this team the most complete Ohio State team I've ever seen. So it's still a long way to go. It's only eight games, but through eight games, uh, I would say yes, most complete Ohio State team I've seen. 
that's going to wrap it up for questions and comments. There were a couple other ones, but basically all of them were just like, talk about how much better J.K. Dobbins is than Jonathan Taylor. And like I said, I'm not doing it. It's fine to give Jonathan Taylor his flowers too. He's a great running back. And what makes it great, what Ohio State did yesterday, is that that's what a great running back looked like against them. That's what they were able to do. So you can big up Jonathan Taylor while also bigging up J.K. Dobbins and recognizing that, hey, Jonathan Taylor got stuffed by the best defense in the country. That's my takeaway on that. I want to thank you guys for always interacting with the show. Send your tweets to at HolyLandPod or at LandGrant33 or at DubsCo. I will do my best to read them here on the show. I love doing this part of the recaps and getting you guys involved. And please be sure, if you're interacting with the show, uh, leave a review. Go on to Apple Podcasts and subscribe and tell us what you think about the show and all of our other shows here on the Land Grant Holy Land network of podcasts and follow along on Spotify. That's really it for me today. I don't know if I have any other big picture thoughts about this game or about Ohio State. Didn't talk a lot about Justin Fields today because it really wasn't a high volume Justin Fields type of game. I know he had the touchdown, but he also had the lower back injury. Looks like he's going to be fine. He was able to shake that off and show his toughness. I, I think in the most general sense of it, he he did what he had to do. And that, that's what they needed from him yesterday. And he was able to do that. He also just made a Wisconsin defender look stupid on that spin move. And if that's Justin Fields when he's banged up, uh, then it's just, it's over for everyone else. And it's important to remember, this is still his first season as a starting quarterback. And this is what we are seeing from Justin Fields. So I, I like what I saw from him. He had a couple of really nice scrambles and plays that he made when the offensive line's protection broke down so even Justin Fields at like 75 80 percent is still pretty damn good and then finally uh, Master Teague still on a thousand yard rushing watch with him be aware of that it's something that might happen especially with Rutgers and Maryland left on this schedule he's gonna get a lot of playing time in these next two games he's at 588 right now on pace for 882 through 12 games but hey if he gets two full halves against Maryland and Rutgers, there's a legitimate shot that Master Teague is going to rush for 1,000 yards, which would be pretty damn cool. That's pretty much it on how I feel about this game, how I feel about this team. They're, they're entertaining as hell. They're so much fun. I love going back and watching these games. I love being positive on these episodes and just having fun recording it and talking about what a great team this is and interacting with you guys. And and we still have a full month of the regular season left, so I'm looking forward to these next few episodes. Probably going to be a little bit lighter the next three weeks with the bye week coming up and then Maryland and and Rutgers. We're not going to be super intensive like we we were this week, especially on the recaps too. But I'm looking forward to to talking about those games and recapping those as well. And uh, be involved. Send tweets to at Holy Land Pod, at Dubsco. Stay involved with the show. Subscribe, follow, all of that good stuff like I already just said, but I want to hammer it home. We really appreciate your guys' support and you listening to the show because without you guys, none of this is possible and and none of it's fun without you guys. So we always appreciate uh, you listening. And I, I know I really appreciate it. And on these solo podcasts, they're tough. They're really tough to record. So I hope you guys enjoy them because I'm doing my best here. So I hope I'm doing a good job for you guys. But I will talk to you later this week. We'll have a little bit of a bye week show. Maybe it'll be a mailbag. I don't know yet, but we'll do something. Talk about where Ohio State's at. Maybe talk about some of the games this week. And uh, just get ready for November football because it's coming up and Ohio State enters November looking like the best team in the country. Pretty damn good place to be at for uh, for our first-year head coach. So can't wait for all of those shows and talk about that. But until then, want to thank you guys one last time for listening. My name is Colton Denning. This is the Hangout in the Holy Land, and go Bucks.